0: Men, let's take our Bibles please and turn to the book of 1st Samuel this evening. 1st Samuel, 1st Samuel chapter 17. The spiritual battle in the mind of Saul, that's our subject for this evening. All of us have a bit of Saul within us all of us. As I was studying this passage, I've just, as I mentioned this morning, um, not long completed this passage of scripture. I was mindful of that very fact that all of us have some measure of Saul within us. Note here in First Samuel chapter 17 verses 57 and 58 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 57 and 58, it reads, And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said unto him, Whose son art thou, thou young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Let's bow for prayer. O God, we pray that you would teach us from your word this evening. Help us to be more like uh, our saviour and to have his mind reigning uh, within us in the name of jesus christ we ask and pray amen i think most of us and understandably would like to keep uh, arm's length when it comes to saul we don't mind being identified with david and we uh, don't mind being identified with solomon to a measure but saul no Um, But yet we have to be mindful that all scriptures given by inspiration is profitable, it's there for our example and we can uh, note principles that are helpful to us and and remind us of our our own struggles and certainly Saul had his struggles. Um, If there was a man that illustrates well the reality of the battle in the mind, it was the first king of Israel. Saul. Saul was disqualified. Uh, He disqualified himself from the kingship. We note there in chapter 15, verse number um, uh, 51, Samuel chapter 15, verse number 22, and Samuel said, "'Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices?' as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Saul, who disqualified himself from the kingship because of his disobedience, struggles, really struggles, in his mind with the incoming king, which was David, the son of Jesse. David was chosen of God to replace the wayward king. And we note his anointing there in chapter 16, verse number 13. It reads, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that is David, in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. David proves his loyalty to the nation, he proves his ability as the incoming king in defeating Goliath. And we read of that there in uh, chapter 17 verses 57 and 58 where he presents the head of Goliath to uh, King Saul. And we find in the life of David, there is no evidence of David in any way criticising, wanting to hurt or usurp King Saul's authority. But we do see within David uh, an undivided loyalty, a respect, a love for uh, the king. Uh, note there in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, verse 16, Reads that uh, David playing his harp in helping the king with his mental well-being. Let our Lord now command thy servant, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon them that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And then we note in verse twenty one and twenty two. And David came to Saul and stood before him and loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. In verse 22 And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. So we see within the scriptures there is no evidence of David in any way criticizing or wanting to hurt or usurp. Uh, King Saul's authority, he is still the king of Israel. But we only see a genuine love, respect, loyalty towards the king. Yet Saul battles within his own mind. Saul was not sober-minded. He failed to gird up the loins of his mind. Saul did not choose to uh, cast down imaginations and thoughts that eventuated in Saul wanting to kill David because he was threatened by him. We note there in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18, uh, verse 14, And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Saul failed to cast down wrong thoughts and imaginations. And because of this, he struggled with his own uh, mental health. And uh, so let's know what took place in Saul's mind that led to his cruel and unloving treatment of David. And we'll find within the life of Saul some... Characteristics, or some uh, imaginations and some thoughts that led to Saul uh, trying to hurt David, that was uh, loving towards him and was loyal towards him and 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 honoured him as the current king of Israel. And may this be of help to you and I, that God might guard our hearts lest we allow within our minds certain imaginations and certain thoughts to become strongholds that will lead to uh, outward actions that are dishonourable to the Lord. King David did nothing wrong um, before the the king. There is no evidence that David stepped out of line, but yet we see that Saul uh, is uh, threatened by him and, and, and tries to, to, to kill him. So let's note um, some areas. And as I was reading through these chapters in my quiet time uh, in weeks past, I noted a number of principles. Um, that number of mindsets, a number of imaginations that were within the mind of Saul that caused him to respond the way that he did. And the first one I'd like to stress this evening is found there in First Samuel chapter 18, verse number eight. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse number 8. And Saul was very wroth. Why was he very wroth? And the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom. So we see here that Saul is comparing himself with young David. Comparing ourselves with uh, one another, the Bible teaches us, is not wise. Now, back in verse number 7, it reads, And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul have slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Question, was this a purposeful belittling of Saul and exalting of David? Or was it just the acknowledgement of different abilities? King Saul has killed his thousands. But David, his ten thousands. I would submit to you that this is not a belittling of Saul and an exaltation of David. As the people cried out and as they noted what had happened, they were simply commending Saul. Wow, Saul has killed his thousands. But David over here has killed his ten thousands. See, we are all different, are we not? And we all have varying abilities. Should we not be simply doing our best for God's glory? as opposed to comparing ourselves among ourselves, Saul compared his ability to David's. And that was a problem. And this, I am sure, was not the intent of those that cried out, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Different ability, different strengths. And don't we all have different abilities, different strengths? Don't we all have different gifts, different callings? So what on earth are we doing comparing ourselves among ourselves? And this was um, Saul's problem in relation to David. He was comparing himself, Saul was comparing himself with young David. And you and I need to be careful, and we need to guard our minds lest we likewise find ourselves comparing ourselves among ourselves. Note there what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 teaches. 2 Corinthians, please, chapter 10, verse 12. It reads. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, let's say it together, are not wise. And that's exactly what King Saul did. He was comparing his ability to King David's ability. I have no doubt in my mind that that was not the intent of those that called out, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. They were not um, comparing the two. They were simply spelling out the fact that Saul had, has this ability, David has this ability. Nothing more, nothing less. And may God help us to guard our minds against comparing ourselves among ourselves. For the Bible teaches us this is not wise. And if you are comparing uh, your ability or your status or your job or your pay packet or your position with others, then you are unwise. The Bible teaches us. And you need to cast that down with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I would commend to you 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 as an appropriate, specific verse to use in casting down that mindset of comparing ourselves among ourselves because that is not wisdom. And this was David's, uh, pardon me, this was Saul's problem. He heard the people cry out, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands, and he, the Bible teaches us in verse 8, he was not pleased with what he had heard. He was insecure. And that's a very sad, sad way to be. And when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, we are reflecting a measure of insecurity. Amen, Pastor. We are reflecting insecurity. We are insecure in comparing ourselves amongst others. So we see comparing cast it down beloved and then we note then verse number 9 please go to 1st Samuel chapter 18 verse 9 we see distrust note there in 1st Samuel chapter 18 verse 9 Saul eyed David from that day and forward Saul eyed David from that day and for From what day? From the day that he heard people crying out, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. From that day onward, Saul eyed David. What does that mean? He didn't trust him. He've eyed people down before. And you've said to yourself or said to others i don't trust him and we reflect that distrust by eyeing them down and that's exactly what Saul did he began to eye david down watch him every move he made didn't trust him this bloke has killed his 10,000s what's going to be next it's only the kingdom He's after my position before the appointed time. So he eyed him down. Distrust. Because of the ability that David had in battle, Saul questions his own safety and he questions the motives of David. What will he do next? I'm sure he's out to hurt me. See, when trust is gone, that relationship is pretty much severed. Distrust. And I will make a point of spelling out to a couple preparing for marriage. You need to guard your uh, purity within the marriage. Because if immorality creeps into the marriage... 9999999 percent of the time it ends in, that's the end of the marriage. That's a proven scientific fact. You know I'm into real science. Proven fact. When trust is gone, a marriage is gone. That's usually how it works. Very rarely, very rarely does a marriage... uh, uh, Survive beyond immorality creeping into the marriage because there is distrust, and Saul entertained in his mind distrust. Did he have any warrant? No, how could he question David who delivered? To him, the head of Goliath, personally. Here you go, king. Here's your Goliath. What's left of him, anyway? (laughs) Note there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, please. How do we deal with distrust? How do we cast down this... Imagination or thought of distrust. Well, note here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, from verses 4 onwards, we have unconditional love defined. Verse 4 begins with Charity suffereth long and is kind. And then we note there in verse number 7 beareth all things believeth all things hopeth all things trust trust believeth all things choosing to trust I choose to trust my wife my wife chooses to trust me that's unconditional love. That's unconditional love. And Saul did not trust David. Did he have any warrants to not trust him? Yes or no? Nothing. So, where was the battle? In here. Distrust. Cast it down, beloved. And this led to Saul being unloving towards David. Sought to hurt him. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 11. How did, he try to hurt, how did he try and hurt David? Note then, verse 11. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Then go to chapter 19, verse 10. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence. And he smoked the javelin into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. Go to chapter 20. Verse 33. And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. So we note here within chapter 18, 19, and 20, Saul is out to hurt to kill David. David. Amazing. Now, we have to bear in mind that kings were sovereign. What they did, what they didn't do, would not be questioned. You wouldn't question what a king did or didn't do, because that will be the end of you. It's as simple as that. So that's why we read on three occasions that Saul... Tried to kill David. And nobody could pull him up. Not even his own son. That's how it was. You were king. You were king. That's it. So Saul was unloving towards David. He sought to kill David. Saul was serious about hurting David. And he attempted a number of times to Kill him. Where is the love in return from Saul for David's steadfastness towards him? Silch nothing. Beloved, a love for God will manifest in love towards those that are around us. For the Bible teaches us in Matthew 22, that we are to love God first and foremost. And the second commandment uh, is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And you and I need to cast down imaginations and thoughts that are ill towards others, that are unloving towards others to the point that we in our mind wish their hurt and harm. Note what the Lord Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount there in Matthew chapter 5, please. Matthew chapter 5, here are some good verses to memorize if you are struggling in your mind with an individual, whether justifiable or not justifiable. Note what the Lord Jesus said here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44 ye have heard that it it hath been said thou shalt love thy neighbour and hate thine enemy but I say unto you Jesus said love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you pray for them pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This is how we are to cast down imaginations and thoughts that would cause us to think ill or hurt towards others. Oh, but pastor, that would never be me. Come on. Come on. Mark my words. Hold on to your ticket. Keep your seatbelt on. You live long enough. And there will be somebody out there that will do something nasty to you. And you might be tempted, like King Saul of old, to hurt, hate and react unlovingly towards them but we need to cast it down cast it down first samuel chapter 18 note then verse number 12 are you still with me comparing distrust unloving what about fear Fear. note here in first Samuel chapter 18 verse 12 and Saul was, let's say it together, afraid of David. What what justification did Saul have to fear David? Talk to me. Silch, nothing. You could say he was justified in fearing, the Philistines, but David, David, note then verse 15, wherefore when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, that is David, he was afraid of him, verse 15, and what about verse 29, and Saul was yet the more afraid of David. And Saul became David's enemy continually. So poor Saul is in a bad way. He has really deteriorated. He's moved off comparing, it's led to distrust, unloving, wanting to hurt. And now he is afraid of David. What did Saul have to fear? Saul was still king. David was on his own. Still on his own. He doesn't have a following at this point. He only has one loyal friend. His name? Jonathan. Saul's son. Would you believe it? His best mate, (laughs) his best mate is Saul's son. That is Saul's son, the king that's trying to kill him. He's afraid of him. Note what the Bible teaches about fear in 1 John chapter 4. Please. Note then verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath what? Torment. He that feareth is not made perfect, is not mature in his love. Note verse nineteen: We love him because he first loved us. A mark of um, uh, fear is a um, is a lack of. Uh, maturity within that person's life in other words the more we draw closer to the Lord the more we grow in Christ's likeness there will be a lesser struggle fear and if you really struggle with fear grow up grow up that's your problem You've got some growing to do. Saul was king, but he was very immature. Yes, we all fear. It's a part of the sinful nature. Fear came in as a result of sin. But perfect love casteth out fear, the Bible teaches us. And doesn't 2 Timothy 1.7 teach that God has not given us the spirit of but of power, love and of a sound mind Saul was afraid of David what justification did he have nothing it was in here and to cast down fear we need to quote scriptures like 2nd Timothy 1 7 that God has not given us the spirit of fear but power and of love and of a sound mind oh yes we will always struggle with fear to a measure but for some of us it's a stronghold controls us has a stronghold upon us and that was David's problem he was fearful he was unloving he chose not to trust David. He compared himself to David. He was also resentful. Resentful. If you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse number 13, it reads that he, Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand and he went out and came in before the people. See, Saul was happy for David to be on the front line of the battles because his hope was that David would be killed. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? If you don't believe me, look at verse 17. And Saul said unto David, Behold, my elder daughter Mirab." Her will I give thee to wife, only be thou valiant for me, and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. And note verse 21, and Saul said, I will give him her, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Saul is in a bad way. There is such a hatred in his heart towards David that he wants him killed. He doesn't want to see him. He's resentful towards him. So he wants him killed because he doesn't want to see him ever again. How sad. And when you and I become resentful of certain individuals, then we likewise are quite happy not to see them again. That's just how it is. We need to cast down imaginations and thoughts of resentfulness. And a good verse to use is Ephesians 4, 32, please. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Quickly. Ephesians 4, verse 32, it reads, And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That was Saul's problem. He wasn't kind. He certainly wasn't forgiving, even if David really had sought to kill him. Saul became resentful to the point where I just don't want to see this bloke ever again. How do I get him out of my life? I'll put him on the front line and hopefully one of those Philistines will kill him. Because he certainly couldn't kill him. Resentful and angry. Saul becomes angry harsh and angry note there in uh first samuel go to chapter 20 quickly chapter 20 verses 30 and 31 it reads then saul's anger was kindled against who jonathan his own son and note what he said to his own son Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman. Oh, that's pretty mean. That's that's not very nice. Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman. Do not I know, I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion. Son, you are mixed up, man. You've been deluded in befriending this David. And unto thy confusion of thy mother's nakedness, verse 31, For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now, send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. Angry. Harsh. Towards those that really, those that love us. There is no doubt that Jonathan loved his father. In fact, if we are to read on, we will note at the end of the book, sadly, that Saul is killed and his son, Jonathan, dies along his side. He was loyal to Dad, though Dad was a little bit mixed up. (laughs) He was loyal to Dad and he died alongside his father. Still loved him. And note the harshness and the anger that Saul vents upon his son. See, anger is an inability to control. That's why anger is, well, it's common for all. We all get angry every now and again. But especially for men. Men struggle more with anger Women struggle more with worry. Proven scientific fact. But we all struggle with anger. We all struggle with worry. Anger is simply the inability to control. When we can't control something, we get angry. I.e., one of our children does something stupid. get angry. Because we want control. That's why we get angry. Okay? Anger is the inability to control. Or feeling like we have lost control. This is why Saul is angry with Jonathan. He can't kill him. He can't catch him and his own son is a friend to David Saul realized that his own son loved David deeply and this is obviously not what the father wanted and he couldn't control that couldn't control that so he was angry in James chapter 1 verse number 19 gives us some good medicine in casting down anger. In James 1.19 it reads, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath." Verse 20, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Your anger will not help resolve your situation for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God cast it down cast it down anger what about there in 1 Samuel chapter 22 this is a beauty okay look at this one 1 Samuel chapter 22 so thus far we have seen that Saul is struggling in his mind with comparing, distrust, he's unloving, he's fearful, he's resentful, he's angry. But also note here in 1 Samuel chapter 22, look at verse number 8. 1 Samuel 22 verse 8 it reads, that all of you have conspired against me. Everybody is against me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. And then note what the verse goes on to say, that all of you have conspired against me. And there is none that showeth me there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse. And there is none of you <laughs> that is what? Sorry for me. Oh, poor soul, Poor thing. None of you. None of you feel sorry for me and showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me. My son, Jonathan, he's in the thick of all this. He's conspiring against me. My son has made a league with David. Don't you feel sorry for me? Self-pity, poor me, don't you feel sorry for me? This victim's mentality, self-pity. How do we combat this with the sword of the spirit? Well, What about Romans chapter 8? Let's go to Romans chapter 8. When you're feeling sorry for yourself, here's some good medicine. Romans chapter 8. Note then verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? Let's say it together. If God be for us, who can be against us? That's good medicine. If God be for us, if God's on my side, who can be against us? Who could possibly defeat my God? If I have God on my side, that I'm on the winning team. Verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Saul felt sorry for himself. Don't you feel sorry for me? And then last but not least, go to 1 Samuel chapter 23. Let's look at one more. Another struggle within Saul's mind was that he he distorted spirituality. Note here in 1 Samuel chapter 23 verses 6 and 7, and it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David, to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. And it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. So the context of this is that David, upon hearing that David was in the secure city of Keilah, he concludes that God has trapped him. Oh, God has trapped David for me because he's in the city of Keilah. Keilah is a secure city. God has trapped him for me a distorted view of what was really happening because David has no problems leaving Keilah if we were to read on. But Saul convinced himself in his brain, oh, he's in Keilah. That's a secure city. God has trapped him for me. He distorted spirituality. A distortion of what was really happening. God has delivered him into my hand. And beloved, you and I need to cast down imaginations and thoughts that are a distortion of true spirituality. How often a young person will convince themselves that they should marry an individual that's not a Christian? Because they so believe that if I go ahead and marry so and so, even though they're not a Christian, they will be exposed to the gospel and they will get saved. Distorted spirituality. That's distortion of truth. So, you young people, be careful. Be careful. The Bible teaches us that we are not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Don't be distorted in your mind to think that if you marry an unbeliever, that because of that marriage they will get saved. Very rarely does it happen. And I can give you many more examples of people that are married to unbelievers and are still married to unbelievers this day. There is the odd token of grace, but that never justifies truth. Saul distorted the situation. And when he heard that David was in Keilah, a secure city, he concluded in his brain, Oh, God has captured him for me nothing further from the truth. Be careful. You young people, be careful. Guard your purity. Make sure that you marry a believer. You singles. And make sure you marry a spiritual believer. And don't be distorted in thinking, well, if I marry so-and-so, I know they're not that spiritual, but I'll help them to become spiritual. (laughs) Really? Distortion. Distorted spirituality needs to be cast down. Quickly, Proverbs 16. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? Okay. Proverbs 16, verses 2 and 3. How do we cast down such thoughts that are are far from being biblical? Note then verse 2, it reads, All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Verse 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. See, King Saul's obsession with David, wrong thoughts, ill imaginations, took him away from what he should have been doing. He should have been leading his kingdom, leading his people in battle against the Philistines. Saul's real enemy were the Philistines, were they not? It wasn't David. It wasn't David. At no point was it David. But he was controlled by this battle in his mind concerning an an individual that only showed him honour, love, loyalty and respect. Now let me ask you this evening, what imaginations, what thoughts are there in your mind that need to be cast down? That need to be cast down with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Saul compared. Saul chose not to trust. Saul was unloving. Saul was fearful. Saul was Resentful, Saul was angry, Saul um, had self-pity, Saul distorted spirituality. What imaginations, what thoughts do we need to cast down? Are we doing what God would have us to do? Or are we fixed in a a battle within our own minds that is taking us away from what we should be doing and draining us of spiritual virtue? And I'm afraid that's where many of God's people live. Like Saul of old, they are warring against Something or someone in their mind and failing to be all that God would have them to be. May God spare us. Let's cast down those imaginations. Let's cast down those thoughts that are contrary to God and contrary to his will and let's fill our minds with the word of God. And as we battle in our minds with the possibility of resentment, it might be justifiable or it might not be justifiable. It doesn't matter. It's not the issue whether it's really true or not true. The point is it's there and it has a stronghold. It needs to be addressed. It needs to be cast down with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And if you are struggling with a stronghold in your mind, I've just noted eight of Saul's strongholds. There are others. There are others. But enough for tonight. Enough. May God help us to have the mind of Christ and to have the mind of Christ we need to be prepared to cast down and if you have a stronghold called fear or anger or guilt or jealousy or lust go to the word dig out specific verses commit them to memory and cast those strongholds down with the word of god let's pray